Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's kind of loud. Uh, appreciate the, the kind introduction. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, say I'm Trevor. Uh, I uh, recently just moved to Kansas City, Missouri, but before that, I lived in uh, Lawrence, Kansas for like 12 years, um, where I attended the University of Kansas, got discipled, and then joined staff to call to greatness, and then worked at Baker University uh, for about seven, seven years. Um, and yeah, so my wife and I just moved to Kansas City recently to, to launch some Call to Greatness in the KC area. Really pumped and excited about that. Uh, excited to see what God will continue to do um, as we're just faithful to follow him and obey him. And so, um, yeah, I think it seems like all of our churches are going through Acts at the same time, which is pretty funny. Um, it's actually, so I think Morningstar started first. And when I went to City Life, like they were like a couple weeks behind. So I'm like basically hearing the same messages like over and over again. So, but it's okay. You know, word of God is alive and powerful and all the things. And so, uh, yeah, so a quick recap of, of Acts so far. So I'm not going to go all the way to the beginning, but like, you know, in chapter seven, we see, you know, Stephen, man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, um, stand up in front of the religious elite um, and declare the goodness of who God is. And then he gets martyred for that. And then so we see this mass scattering of the church throughout all of the, 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 the known world at the time. Um, so the gospel is being spread. And then we, we have some, a couple chapters of like some pretty cool highlights of like, man, healings and miracles, the gospel spreading. Some dude fell out of a window, you know, and, <laughs> and then died and got healed. And it's pretty cool. Uh, and so like these are really amazing things that are happening. And then we get to chapter 12. And so it's funny, they, they, when I was asked to speak on chapter 12, I read it and I was like, dang, this is kind of a hard chapter to, <laughs> to kind of like navigate through. Um, but like as I was spending time with God, like I really got like a, a message of hope um, from that. And so I hopefully encourage you guys this morning as we, we go through and we, we see um, how God is faithful and always provides and protects us. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and pray, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to come before you uh, together uh, to worship you, God, to hear your word. Um, God, would you speak to our hearts uh, today? Uh, would you uh, give us new insight uh, of your character and your goodness, God, and, and continue to challenge us, God, to be more like you? God, would you allow me to speak clearly and accurately the things that you desire into the hearts and minds of your people, Lord? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so go ahead and open up your Bibles or your phones to Acts chapter 12. I had some slides, but as you know, thing is broke, so we're going to have doing a lot of reading today. Um, Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. So like I said before, things have been going really great for the church. Um, and some really cool highlights, you know, in the last couple chapters. And then we get to chapter 12. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some, of, on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. This was during the days of unleavened bread, okay? And so this chapter starts out pretty great, you know? Like one of, the, one of the apostles has just been, not just jailed as they had been in the past, but like this dude got his head cut off, you know? Not great, you know? And I think, the, so Herod isn't a great dude, you know, obviously. Um, and it's not the same Herod that we read about like in the, uh, around Jesus' time. This is actually this Herod Agrippa who is like, I think the stepson of this other Herod, but clearly like craziness runs in the family. You know, like this guy is pretty wild. Um, and it's crazy to me that, um, and I can imagine like being a Christian at that time and seeing that like the guy who actually has the power to kill us, like 
unjustly has seen that in killing us, like he gains favor with a religious elite. I can imagine like I'm just like coming to, being coming aware of that and like being terrified, you know. Um, and now and this and this was like an apostle. This this dude was like with Jesus that they killed. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's like, man, could you imagine the opportunity just to lose hope in that moment and to be like, oh man, like what do like what can we do? <laughs> like there's nothing that we can do. Like they're real, they're killing our leaders. They're destroying us. Like what can we do? And now they have Peter and like. You know, if you're part of the early church, I'm sure you knew about Peter, man. He was the one that gave, like, the first message of the church, man. Like, he gave such a great message. 3,000 people came to know the Lord, like, in one day. And it's like, man, they got Peter <laughs> now. You know, it's like, man, what, what can we do? Um, let's continue reading in verse 4. It says, when he sees him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer was made for him by God, by the church, to God, by the church. Um, and so, like, yeah, this is, it's, this, this chapter is really detailed, kind of, like, weirdly. Um, but I like to, like, use my investigative skills because I watch too much, like, CSI and Law and Order. So I'm like, why do they put, like, you know, four squadrons or whatever, four squads of soldiers, which is, like, 16 soldiers around him? And my suspicion is, like, uh, they probably got, he probably got the idea from the high priest uh, and the Sadducees because, like, a couple of chapters earlier, like, they put the apostles in prison, and then an angel came and let them out, <laughs> and then they were, in the, they were in the jail the next day. And so I'm, I'm guessing this time they're like, hey, make sure you put some guards in there um, and make sure they don't get out this time. But obviously, God had different, different, different thing in mind. Okay, so we see this guy, like, super hungry for power, you know, arrested Peter, probably going to kill Peter as well. Uh, but I, I love the response here by the church. It says that they, um, they, uh, they had earnest prayer uh, for him was made to God by the church. And I, I, I think that word earnest is like super important um, because this is a very detailed chapter. He could have just said, oh, they prayed for him. But I said, he made, they made earnest prayer. And I, that word earnest is like a continuous, a expe- like an expectation that God was going to move. And it's like, man, how did they respond that way? knowing that what had just happened to another apostle. You know what I mean? Like, another apostle had just been, you know, put in jail and murdered. And I, I have to think that they probably prayed for him too, <laughs> you know? But, like, here we have the same situation, but they still are coming with earnest prayer and supplication towards God. Like, how did they get that? Uh, I, I think there's two reasons. One, they, they understood the nature and the character of who God is, you know? Their faith was anchored in that. And also, man, they had seen God deliver before, right? They had seen him do it before. Uh, and I, I think that's so important uh, for us as believers to understand, like, hey, no matter my circumstance or situation, that doesn't change who God is. Man, he's still consistent, and he still remains, and he's still faithful, you know? And that's hard to navigate through, but we, like, as people of God, we've got to have our hope anchored in that. And that truth of who God is. Like one of my uh, favorite uh, passages, um, and we kind of talked about it this past weekend at the summit, um, is in Psalm 121. Um, And I I love it because it reminds us of like who God is, um, his faithfulness. So keep your finger in Acts 12. We're coming back to that. But go ahead and turn to Psalms 121. I'm just going to read that. Um, In verse 1 it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
He would not let your foot slip. He who watches over you would not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Man, it just, it's just like a, a passage filled with promises of who God is and what he does. Like he protects, he restores, he rescues, right? And so it's so easy to be like, man, God's heart, like, James just got killed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like how, are you still the same God? Do you still rescue, restore, and make things whole? Yeah, he still is, you know, despite what we see around us. Like, that's the faith that we can have. And I'm sure, like, this, this early church understood that. They, they, they knew these, these psalms and these proverbs about God's faithfulness and his character. Um, and it's, it's really amazing to, to, have, just to see them, like, be steadfast um, and anchored in that. Um, so one of my favorite um, people in the Bible is Abraham. Um, I think he's just a really cool dude um, for a number of reasons. Primarily because he's, like, you know, the father of faith, you know, and he, had, like, he took like, some pretty amazing risks. Um, but also because of, like, I like to imagine, like, what people around him were thinking, you know, as I read through Abraham, I'm like, what were these people around him thinking? Like, could you imagine, like, being, like, in Abraham's squad, and all of a sudden he's like, all right, guys, let's go to the middle of nowhere. And he's like, what? You know what I mean? Or, and he's like, circumcised, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> who told you that, bro? Like, you know, oh, God told me. He's like, what? What do you mean? And, uh, I like to... I like to think that the conversation or like the how awkward it was for like Isaac and Abraham to walk down the mountain after he had just been like bound up and like seconds away from being killed. And like, you know, walking them walking down the mountain, the mountain, just like in silence and like, you know, all right, see you, dad. You know what I mean? Like, it's been so weird, you know, like, I don't know. That's how I read the Bible sometimes. It's like I imagine what people are thinking. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I love Abraham's faith because like. He was, like, I think, a perfect example of what it looks like to, like, not let your situation or your circumstance, like, move you or, or like, uh, sway you from, like, the promises of God. Um, in Romans uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 18 and 19, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Um, just, ahead, just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old and that, his, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. And so I love Abraham because like, it wasn't like this denial of like, oh, this is not happening. You know, I'm not, nothing bad happened to me. It's like, no, he, he looked at the circumstances and said, man, this is not great, <laughs> you know? But it didn't weaken his faith, you know? Because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that is an incredible example. Now, something that we, I think, even, even more so now in, in our society, in our church, like, we need that. You know? There's so many things that can shake our faith around us. So many things, man. But we have to be anchored in the God who's consistent, who remains, who doesn't change. Um, I can remember um, just kind of learning to... Uh, practice my, in my own life. I, I was uh, a sophomore in, in college, I'm sorry, sophomore in high school, and then my mom was like, hey, are you going to college? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go to college. Um, so I'm like, okay, guy, like, where do you want me to go? 
mind you, his backstory, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, from the East Coast, okay? So that's where I was raised, there. That's the context of this. And so I'm praying, I'm like, okay, God, like, where should I go to school? And I'm like, crickets, like nothing, <laughs> you know? Um, don't hear anything, don't, you know, whatever, nothing. And so I'm like, okay, whatever, I have two years of high school left, I'm sure I'll get like a sign or something, like God, you'll show me, you know, just being pretty young in my faith. And so I'm in my room a couple weeks later, and I just feel like, you this impression on my heart, it's like, you're supposed to go to Kansas. And I'm like, Kansas? And I, I ignored it, and I'm like doing my own thing, and I just could not shake like this, this thought or this impression, like you're supposed to go to Kansas. I'm like, what the heck is in Kansas? I don't even know, like any schools out there. So I'm like, I'm going to my mom, like, hey mom, do you know like any schools like in Kansas? And she's like, no, no. So I go to the interwebs, and <laughs> so I'm like searching for schools, and uh, I come across KU, and the best way I can describe it is like a, a tangible piece, like, hey, you're supposed to go here. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Kansas. Uh, so I turned and looked at my mom and was like, hey, mom, I, I'm going to go here. And she was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like, this is like, where God wants me to go. And so I'm like, okay. So I go back to my room. I'm like, okay, God, Kansas, great. I don't, what do I do with my, like, what do, how do we do this? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I've never been to this place. I have no connections with this place. Like, our resources aren't great, you know, with my mom and I. Like, I don't know. Like, how are we going to get this? And I remember God kind of actually leading me. This is probably why I connect so well with Abraham, to the Abraham story. And you know how Abraham was, like, with his family chilling, and God was like, hey, go to the middle of nowhere, and I'm going to bless you and take care of you. And, like, for me, I'm with my mom just chilling, and God's like, hey, go to the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and I'm going to take care of you. And so, uh, so that's, that's what I stood on. I saw what God had did with Abraham's life. I was like, God, you can do the same. Um, and so... I was just trusting and believing, like, I was going to provide, like, financially, and it would be great. And so, um, but we put, we put faith and works to action, so I'm, like, applying for scholarships, you know, doing the things, pretty good student, all the things. And so, my first semester of my senior year of high school, I got uh, a scholarship from Walmart, you know, $500, you know. <laughs> Woo! And I'm like, okay, God, maybe you want to do, like, you know, the five loaves, three fish kind of thing and multiply, you know what I mean? <laughs> I appreciate the books for the first semester. Thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just like, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. And I'm kind of like, all right, I still, you know, there's still a lot of out-of-state tuition. Ain't no joke, you know. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, we get to my, so I'm just applying for scholarships. I don't even know what I'm applying for at this point. My mom is like behind me, hounding me to do it. I'm just applying, whatever. And so this one scholarship, I like, there's like rounds to it. And like, I got past the first round. I got a little thing in the letter a little letter in the mail or whatever, and they sent me, he got to, got to the last phase. I'm like, cool, they're like, we'll let you know like the third week of May, like if you got it. And I'm like, cool. And so the first week of May, I get like a letter in the mail, and they're like, congratulations, like you get your scholarship, whatever. I'm like, cool, this is awesome. So I, I call my mom, it's like, I think I got a scholarship or something, from, for some, I don't know what it is, but it's like, not supposed to be here yet. So I'm really confused. Maybe I made a mistake. I'm not really sure. And my mom is like almost in tears on the phone. I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, she's like, this is like a full ride scholarship. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm just, I was just applying, you know, I had no idea. I'm just applying to things. And so I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is like actual thing. So I call them and I'm like, hey, I got this thing in the mail. I know you guys are not supposed to let people know until like two weeks, but I got this. She's like, you shouldn't have anything yet. And I'm like, oh crap. 
this is a mistake. <laughs> and she's like, one second. And so I get on the phone, like three people, and so I get to like the dude that's in charge, and he's like, congratulations, Trevor. Like, you got like, oh, got, so like, God, I got like a full ride to come out here to go to school. Like, God completely provided, you know what I mean? And like, it's cool because like, everything in my circuit situation was like, hey, this is probably not gonna work out. You probably should stay in state, you know, it's cheaper, like, so did you go, all the things. But I was like, no, I'm fully convinced that I heard from God. And like, God, you're gonna provide. And like, my hope was anchored. It's so funny. So my mom actually made me apply to a school like in state. Uh, she's like, Trevor, just in case you didn't like hear, right? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want to. I feel like this is not having faith. Like God told me. I'm like, this, and like literally, she stood behind me while I like applied for it because <laughs> I did not want to do it. Um, yeah, but yeah, God made a way. And so yeah, I, I share that testimony just to like encourage us all to like, hey, like. We got to have our hope anchored in what God has told us and his promises, no matter what our situation says uh, and things that we can learn. God's the same God, like the same God that provided for Abraham, uh, that provided for the church here, that provided in my life when I was a senior um, in high school. It's the same God that will provide uh, for you guys as well. And that's the confidence that we can have. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, man. We can, we can approach his, his, his throne with confidence every single time because he is consistent and remains. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's so exciting, guys. That's, that's the hope that we got to have. All right, so back to Acts chapter 12 because there's some pretty cool things. All right, so now when Herod was about to bring him out on the very night, uh, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, which is overkilling it in my opinion, but bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding him in prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap um, your cloak around, around you and follow me. I think this is really funny because I, I can imagine like Peter getting like woken up out of his sleep and kind of super dazed and the angel would be like, hey, do you want to put your clothes on too? Like, bro, like, you know, <laughs> you're going to walk. I just think it's pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> he's just like, what, what's happening? You know? Um, yeah. And then verse, verse nine, he went out and followed him and he did not know, um, that was, he didn't know what, what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened uh, for them on its own accord. And they went out and went, went along one street, and, and immediately the angel left them. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people um, were, were expecting. Uh, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, uh, where they were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhonda, pretty interesting name in the, in the Bible, Rhonda, so, sorry, so this kind of, okay, I'll keep reading. <laughs> Her name Rhonda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported it that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, no, you're out of your mind. Uh, but she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. And so 
I, I watched this girl. I'm not recommending it. I'm sorry. I watched this show called New Girl. Uh, not recommending it, but I'm saying I watch it. And there's a lady named Rhonda who always plays pranks. And when I was reading this earlier, I was like, oh my gosh, she's like the Rhonda from New Girl. And she always plays pranks and they don't believe her because she's like, Peter's at the door. And they're like, Rhonda, chill. Stop playing. You know, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, yeah, and so uh, they said it was his angel. Um, but Peter continued knocking, uh, and when they opened uh, and they saw him, they were amazed. Um, but uh, motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said to them, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And he then departed and went to another place. I think it's so cool how God responded in that moment um, to their earnest prayers and steadfastness. Um, yeah, and it's like, you know, maybe they did... Maybe they didn't believe that maybe God was going to rescue him in, in the way that happened, but like they still had an expectation that God was going to do something amazing and great, and God showed up, and, and I love that. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to understand like the currency of the kingdom of God is faith, you know? Like that's how God's kingdom operates. Like we got to have faith um, that God is here and that he's moving and he's working. Uh, and when we see ourselves begin to operate in like fear and anxiety and and worry, man, that's the currency of the kingdom of darkness, you know? And we got we to gotta learn to, like, push that stuff off and choose, no matter what we're going through, to, man, to have faith um, and pursue, man, all that God has for us. Um, yeah, so God's able, God's faithful, and he's good. Um, but um, the story is not quite over yet. Um, in verse 18, it says, Now when the day came... There was a little disturbance among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter, and I'm sure they were very confused. <laughs> um, and after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they would be put to death. Uh, so I think it was tradition, like, like if you were guarding somebody and then they got out, like you would get the punishment that they were going to get, which sounds like they were, were going to kill Peter. Uh, and so those guys got put to death. I says, then he went down uh, to Judah and uh, to Caesarea and spent time there. Um, now, Herod was angry with the people of uh, Tyre and Sidon. Uh, and they came to him with one accord and having uh, persuaded Blastus, the king's cha- chamberlain, they asked for, for peace because their country depended on the king's co- country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God. He was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Um, pretty scary, you know. Um, I, I, th- I think that this should kind of produce a level of fear of the Lord in all of us, you know. Um, and, but also gives us some hope as well. Uh, I think, one, that I mean, God doesn't play games with, like, pride. You know, if you look... Um, and in Proverbs, it's like, hey, God despises the proud, gives grace to the humble. Like, he doesn't, doesn't mess with that. And also, he, he's not going to share his glory with any person, any institution, any ideology. Like, they're all going to bow um, before him. And that's just kind of the reality of it. But also, as believers, we can have hope that the things that come against us, hey, like, vengeance belongs to the Lord. You know? It's not, and he doesn't need our help doing that. <laughs> you know? He would take care of us. 
in incredible ways, sometimes really miraculous and kind of scary ways, but like we got to trust that, man, vengeance belongs to our God. And especially now in our society where it feels like I got to go out there and fight for all these people and these institutions. It's like, hey, it's like all these things are going to crumble because they're not built on anything that's, that's solid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like vengeance belongs to the Lord. I think that's important that we understand that. Um, and then my favorite verse uh, in this whole chapter, the last verse 24, says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Wow. Here is this like pretty like, oh, it's a pretty terrible chapter here, but like God's kingdom and his word is continuing to spread and to multiply and increase. That's what it does, guys. That's what it does. It's this upside down kingdom where it seems like things are going terribly wrong. It's that mustard seed that's planted in the garden that grows man to the biggest uh, plant in the garden, man. It is the kingdom of God that will continue to advance and spread no matter what we go through. Man, that's the hope that we have. I signed up for that. I hope you guys signed up for that as well. I want to be the part of this, this kingdom, this, this great work that God's doing. All right, so where's some lessons we can learn from this chapter? I think there's three things. One, in the middle of, in the middle of adversity, man, prayer works. <laughs> We got to be people of prayer, not as a last resort, like, oh, all I could do is pray. No, like, as our primary means to pray and to intercede. Also, do that together, you know? Pray together and, and believe that God's going to show up in, in incredible ways. And even, even if he doesn't show up the way that we think he, he should or, or think that, um, that he would, like, we could still continue to come in faith because he's, he's consistent in the same. Amen. Um, secondly, man, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Man, he fights our battles. That's encouraging. And a little sobering too, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I, there's, there's this uh, rap song. I don't know. I can't remember the song. But essentially, it, it says something about like God doesn't need, God's like a lion. He doesn't need like help your help defending him, just open the cage and let, let him do what he's got to do. You know what I mean? It's like, like he doesn't, he's, he, he's got it, you know? Um, he's not going to be mocked. Um, he's a God that's full of, full of mercy, but also full of justice. Uh, we, can, we can depend on that. And then finally, the last thing, in the middle of adversity, man, stay on mission and advance the kingdom. Man, it's the greatest thing that we can do in the middle of adversity. It's the greatest thing that we can do. Man, it's continue to align ourselves um, with what God's doing, um, both in us and around us. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that, man, the message of hope from this chapter is, is, was clear and that you guys can, can take these things and apply it to your life, no matter what you're going through, man, to pray, to trust that God's going to get the justice, man, to stay focused stay, and stay driven on God's mission. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and, we'll, and then I don't know what happens after this, but... Okay, Emma. All right. <laughs> God, we thank you so much for your goodness, that you're faithful, that you're consistent, that you remain the same. God, we trust you. No matter what our situation looks like, God, we trust you. Um, God, we know too much about you, God, to, 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 to doubt you, Lord. And so um, continue to reveal it, um, who you are to us, God, in our times with you and our times together. Um, protect our hearts, God. Um, help us to stay anchored and rooted in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.